uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends of Beyond the Binary, you know, my patron peeps, it's time for the podcaster who's uh, creating a highway to the sleepy zone, patrons. Uh, I'm going to have you flying off to dreamland. Uh, it's time for Sleep With Me podcast to put you to sleep. And what do you say we keep this show going? get on with the show what is it i normally say normally after this i say uh, hey are you up all night tossing turning mind racing trouble getting to sleep trouble staying asleep well welcome this is sleep with me the podcast that puts you to sleep we do with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm going to do the rest uh, what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, feelings, uh, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, routine. You know, your routine could be on you're traveling, someone else could be traveling, it could be seasonal stuff. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do. I got this nice, safe place set aside, plenty of room, but also roomy but cozy at the same time. And I'm smoothing it, I'm patting it, I'm rubbing it down, I'm saying safe place. uh, And then I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents, you know, a go-off topic, believe me, holy, you know, I'll get distracted. Just like, you know, just like uh, those great, what are those, what are those called, fairy tales? Where, are there any famous fairy tales? Because I was thinking of the one with Alice, Alice in Wonderland, because she went down, but I, mean, I said, maybe she didn't go down a rabbit hole. I mean, she was chasing that hair around, but more she was trying to keep up with it, I believe. For me, I have multiple hairs, like, uh, running around inside my head. Bunnies, rabbits, uh, uh, cutie-poos. I don't even know. I say, what what kind of mammal are you? Cutie-poo? And I say, really? And I say, you mind if I stop and ask you a question? Sure, but you're in the middle of a podcast intro. Okay, cutie poo, maybe I'll come back to you. Because I was going to ask you a question about a... Never mind, you're right, it'll bring us way off topic. Well, go ahead, ask me it anyway. It'll be a good example for the new listener of how you go off topic so early. Well, thanks, cutie poo. Maybe we could make this a meta thing where we talk and do the intro. Sounds great. Well, so I was thinking, there's something before... It was before my time, it was called a cupie doll. And now that I say it, I thought it was spelled like cutie poo. Hmm, that's interesting. You think cupie pie and cutie poo are spelled the same way, huh? Well, now, not that I'm saying it out loud in front of a bunch of people, I can picture reading cupie pie. And now I think I can see it is like K E W or something. But I was just wondering if you knew what that was, because I don't actually know. I think it's something you would win at a state fair. In like the 1940s or 20s or 40s or 50s. Okay, well, listen to new listeners. Scoots apologizes if you're a fan of Cupid dolls. Also, here's another question for you. I know we're supposed to get to the intro, but do, do, do you know who Astro Boy is? Uh, Scooter, I do because I. Yes, yes, Scooter. Thanks, Cutie Poo. 
Uh, go ahead, Scooter. Well, I was just thinking, do, do Cupid Owls and Astro Boy look the same? Because in my mind, they do. Okay. Well, anyway, Scooter, what were you going to tell the new listeners? Oh, what I was going to tell them is um, my semi-voice so across the deep dark night, lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, or Cupid Owl-like tones, but I don't know what the Cupid Owl sounds like. Okay, Scooter, keep going. Uh yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna send my voice across the evening, lowing, soothing, creaky, dull stones, pointless meanders. Uh, and all I'm gonna do is try to keep you company as you drift off to dreamland. Okay, great job, Scooter. Thanks, Cutie Poo. I think I'll take it from here. If I have any more questions, I'll get back to you. But if you find anything out about Astro Boy or Cupid Dolls, get back to me, okay? Sure, Scooter. Okay, sorry about that, folks. I got to. If you're a new listener, I got distracted. If you're a regular listener, you like scoots. Hardy are like, uh, you're probably giggling or you're like me. You're like, I've, I think I've, I can see the spelling of cutie. It's, it's like, uh, you know, when I had cutie poo here, I should have asked if it was like a kiwi in cutie pie were cutie. Anyway. Oh, sorry. So if you're a new listener, I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff as you fall asleep. A couple of things to know about the show. I go off topic pretty regularly. I have creaky dulcet tones. And uh, that's not for everybody, but give the show a few tries to see if it works for you. Structurally, what to expect, the show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep it free, is all the wonderful regular listeners that support the sponsors. Then there's an intro, which is about 12 to 14 minutes of me rambling. Or Well, really what it is, is like, ideally, I would explain what, well, it's a matter, I don't know what it is. It's like a ball of string that's all knotted up. If it was a metaphor about the podcast, it would be one that was like that. You see, I don't think it, like my head, every pair of headphones I've ever owned. There's a metaphor. For, you say, Scoots, what's the intro? And I'm just holding up every pair of headphones with cords. Uh, but even then, I bought a pair of Bluetooth headphones that you're supposed to stick in your ears. Not the expensive one, of course, because I said, well, I'm not going to pay that much. And even those those don't have a, a cord, they just they they only attach to my phone for like four minutes, and then they go boob boob, and they say what, and then I Google my well, and they say how do you Google boop boo? And every time I've tried to Google this kind of headphone, makes a boo boo sound, and then disconnects from Bluetooth. You know, it's the same thing. Repowered over. Uh, so where was I? Oh, if you're a new listener, I tend to go off topic. The intro, oh, structurally, business, and then there's an intro. And the intro's around 12 minutes. We're probably like six or seven minutes into it now. And it's just a wind, friendly wind down to start the show off. Uh, exactly the opposite of warming up, uh, but it's warm. It's warm, warm-hearted. You know, I'm glad you're here. Hey, hearty are. I'm here to keep you company. But like a cool breeze of senselessness, kind of like when you like um, this is actually some, one of the times advertising is actually correct is when you get the right mint breath mint, I mean, uh, and then you suck on it and then you breathe in. You see, holy cow, that is like a mountain breeze, uh, mountain breeze breath mints, uh, the newest breath mint from the uh, whatever, whatever company wants to invent those and pay me company. Mountain breeze, like a mountain breeze in your mouth, but it, it smells better. 
you know, because a lot of mountain breeze would have like yak dung and, and stuff in there. Okay, so, oh, the intro is like a long explanation of the podcast. A few percentage of listeners skip over it, but most listeners use it as a wind down. And then a few percentage of listeners fall asleep during the intro. I think most of those are people that support the show on Patreon, though. And uh, but the, there's really no long, wrong way to use the podcast. Uh, but like the most of the people, they use it to wind down. And then there'll be a story tonight. It'll be me trying to remember the plot of the movie uh, Top Gum, that funny, famous uh, Anthony Edwards movie with Tom Cruise in it. Uh, with, with oh yeah, Val Kilmer and uh, a couple other people. Well, Michael Ironside, of course. So that'll be the, the, and then there'll be some thank yous and the good nights between the intro and the story is uh, business. And that's the structure of the show. Now, what else to expect if you're new? Well, I'm glad you're here. Like I said, it doesn't work for everybody. Give it a few tries. And I'm not saying that because it benefits me at all. Like, I just really want you to get a good night's sleep. And that's what most listeners say. And you getting a good night's sleep really, uh, on a, a spiritual level does benefit me. I say, that's great. If, if the podcast puts you to sleep or you find something else, uh, if you're looking for other options other than this podcast or you loathe this podcast, you're listening, you say, I loathe this podcast, uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you. There'll be some other options there. That's because I'm really here to help. Uh, so that's what structurally you have to expect. Uh, don't, um, well, yeah, you don't need to listen to me. I think you probably figured that part out. And there's also no pressure to fall asleep. I'm here for an hour. But with other episodes, I could be here for 10 hours if you need me, yeah, back to back to back to keep you company if you can't fall asleep. I'm your boar friend. I'm your boar bay. I'm your boar buzz. Your boar buzz. It sounds like your boar. Sounds like they, they could be another super boar buzz. It's like my sidekick, like Astro Boy. Oh, Astro, Cupie Pie. Oh, you're not Cupie Pie? I don't know. I just have lost contact with Cutie Poo. Ran off with the rest of the rabbits in my brain and the bunnies. Uh, oh, thanks for rubbing your ears on me. That was great. Uh, it made me forget what I was talking about. Oh, your boar bud, your boar sib, your boar cuz, your boar bestie. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off uh, because I truly believe you deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, you deserve a life where you can flourish. And you could treat yourself and other people with kindness, uh, dignity, and respect. Uh, so I'm here to do my little part, which is just rambling and keeping you company. And I think that's it. So no pressure to fall asleep, no pressure to listen. Structurally, show is a, you know, a bit of a, like a headphone jumble. And I think that's it. Cutie poo, can I, can I just grab you for one second? Sure, Scooter, what can I help you with? You, you, like, uh... Here's a th here's something I got a question for. Is there an, like I don't know how your vocabulary is compared to mine, but uh, I mean long floppy ears is a nice term, but is there a better term for your ears? Because they're like magnificent is a, a word I would use, or luxurious, uh, because they're not just like long and floppy doesn't do it. Do do, do you agree with me? Well, thanks, Scooter. Um, 
we found over the years that uh, the great myth, you know, the, there's a mythos behind saying long floppy ears and, you know, most bunny, bunny owners are bunny fans or bunny appreciators like yourself. Uh, you get it. It, it, it. It's the words have become. Is there a word for when the words become more than their, their own meaning? Scooter, you'd have to ask Helen, Helen that question. Yeah, I always forget to, I always get, I always get nervous asking her questions. So I just listen to her podcast and forget. Je, is it je ne sais quoi? Scooter, I don't think it is, but, uh, what about, yeah, I know it's not zeitgeist, but I like, you know, them, that one I feel like just makes me look, Scooter, Scooter, zeitgeist sounds nice when you say it. What about long floppy ears that I want to rub my cheeks against? Scooter, that's different than uh, what the meaning of the word is. Okay, anyway, that's cutie poo. Uh, there's some sort of uh, bunny-like being that lives within my imagination. Thanks, Scooter. I'm be hopping around. Uh, hold on, cutie poo. Are you? Um, is that a unicycle you're hopping around on? Scooter, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, I'll see you later. Okay, so that was cutie poo. So we didn't really get any questions answered about cutie pies or Astro Boy, but I'm pretty sure those two look pretty similar. Or that at some point there was a cutie pie Astro Boy doll in my life. Uh, I think that's Tezuka. Is that correct? Uh, uh, but anyway, get him off topic. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad you're here. I really want to help you fall asleep. This podcast, unfortunately, doesn't work for everyone. So I said, uh, check out sleepingmepodcast.com slash no thank you. Uh, but give it a few tries. I work very hard at your and I strive because I want to help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. All right, everybody. It's time for a tale of the tape, uh, which is a style of episode... Usually, because it's like a, it could be, I guess, any time. But but movies, mostly movies I saw in the eighties as a child, where I saw them a bunch of times. Maybe even more recently than the eighties, and then I try to remember the plot of the movie because, uh, like, usually I can't, I barely remember anything. Or so it just seems to be very sleepy because they say, "Huh, what was that? Uh, and what happened there?" So it's just a, like a, a fun premise. Plus, this movie, particular movie, I think, is getting rebooted or uh, something because uh, the name of the movie is uh, uh, the Top Gum Chewer. So uh, Top Gum for short. And if you want to know why it's called Top Gun, all you have to do is picture Tom Cruise chewing gum with that big smile of his. Now, we're talking a 1980s Tom Cruise. Uh, so I don't know, like, what to make. His hair was shorter, I think, in the 80s. This particular movie, either he was sweating a lot or his character, his hair had a sheen to it, a good sheen. I mean, for him, a good sheen. And he wore aviator sunglasses a lot because he was a jet pilot uh, uh, for the Navy. Uh, and... Uh, he chewed gum. That was just one of his things. That's one of his things in a lot of movies. But he chews gum in this movie. He's the top of gum. And it's also a thing they use there to say, uh, and this is like a different part of the Navy. You might not have heard of it except for this movie. Uh, acrobatics, aerial acrobatics. 
And so this movie starts off, uh, so I think that's everything we need to know about the setup. Oh, but, but I know it's getting remade or rebooted. Well, I think like Tom Cruise and maybe Val Kilmer. Okay, so the stars of the movie are, oh boy, this is, okay, Anthony Edwards, Tom Cruise, Meg Ryan, Val Kilmer. This is when uh, Tom Skerritt, uh, Michael Ironside. Um, after that, the dude that was in um, Legend of Billie Jean, uh, um, Hubie something. Uh, who else? Uh, Kelly McGillis. Uh, was it John Stockwell, who we'll get to really quick. And even um, Tim Robbins was in this one. So very 80s uh, cast. Uh, and it takes place in San Diego, I believe. Most well, parts of the movie do. And it's about being the top of gum. Which is shorthand for the most uh, aero... Uh, like uh, the person that has the most... Uh, Aerially, aerial, aerobat, whatever I meant to say. So the movie starts off with, uh, I don't know, like, uh, now this, okay, this also all took place during the 80s, during the Cold War. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, it, I don't know, I've never read an article about it, but I'm sure there's been plenty of great ones about how storytelling, the Cold War actually offered, like, easy stakes uh, for your storytelling back then. Because you had, like, a, a, like in the movies, at least in the simplistic version, like, a good side, good old USA, and a, a not good side, which would be the uh, USSR. And again, I'm not taking sides. I'm just talking about the storytelling. And then they had stakes because you were raised, I guess, in the 80s to believe that, uh, you know, our way of life was dependent on our, you know, get, get a lot of, uh, you could see where, how we got here today. They say, well, if our way is not, if our way's not the best, then we don't have it, you know. But so... Uh, so this movie took place, uh, with that, uh, through that lens, through that cultural window. And I mean, just from a storytelling perspective, uh, well, it's a very simple based movie and it used that in a very uh, basic way. It did it very effectively and it was a blockbuster film. Though people might have never, they say, I've never heard of that movie. Heard of another one. I said, well, I'm sorry, uh. So the movie starts off with, uh, who's that, John Stockwell? Now, here's a couple things about John Stockwell. He was in a couple movies I liked, uh, and he was someone that never became a gigantic star, which was baffling. I also always thought George Thorogood, who's like a classic 80s rocker, or more of a... um, maybe not a rocker, but I always thought those two people, they were the same person. So John Stockwell was George Thorogood. Yeah, but John Stockwell was in this one cool movie that I cannot remain, remember the name of. Uh, it was called My Science Experiment or something, where uh, someone has a science experiment at Ben's kind of time-space continuum, and he's the hero that goes back into his high school to shut the experiment down or something. And I think he was the lead in one or two other movies, uh, but in this movie, he's he's just the uh, teaser, the uh, the opening. What do they call that? They call it a not a through point. Uh, 
set piece. That's what they call it in movies. And I don't know if this was just a Tony Scott film. I think it was just a Tony Scott film. But uh, so it opens with a set piece of uh, it was the Olympics. Now, I guess it would have been like this it took place in the past. Uh, oh, no, no. It was the Olympic. Uh, I guess it was more of an Olympic buildup uh, because it would have been the last, uh, like not Olympic qualifying because the U.S. was competing against the USSR. In aerial, 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 whatever that's called. Like, and you say, Scooch, what is that? And why is the Navy involved in it? And I say, well, there's a version you hear of of jet planes, but most of this takes place just like in, um, what's that group called? That the circus group, uh, Cirque du Soleil. Like, and again, this is stuff that history's just glossed over because it's not as flashy as jet planes. Yeah, but most of the stuff, like when you're, um, you've seen it, like uh, you've got a person in mostly, ba- uh, ideally in a ballet type uniform, and they're flying around on ribbons, uh, and it can involve trapeze and all that, but it's a lot of it's artistic, uh, it's, a, you know, gymnastics and uh, uh, dance and um I guess, whatever that other one is, combined. Now, the reason the Navy's important is because, uh, like, the Navy would use this, uh, again, it just added to the stakes that it was like, uh, this is the Navy's team. Now, the Navy specialized in, um, what do they call it? Like, these were, um, what do you call it when there's two people working together? I don't know what it's called, but, like, uh, like I'm thinking of synchronized, synchronized. So this was like, a, it, it was a little bit different than synchronized because they're not synchronized, uh, but it was a team sport, a two person team sport. This was a, like, uh, again, the eighties. So they were more into the male stories, which you'd think, well, this is, seems like a softer art. Uh, I see, well, you have to have a hard body to do this soft art. So, just to be clear, like you see, this is Tom Cruise's body and Anthony Edwards. Holy cow! Yeah, but so so it opens up with this big whatever the international, uh, whatever the most important thing is other than the Olympics for uh, men's aerial aerobic, men's aerial dancing. Oh, acrobatics! Why was I calling it aerobatics? Uh, you think that's like the shorthand for it? To be, to, oh no, not to be Top Gun. Okay, so I think you're with me so far. So John Stockwell's character, whose name I forget, he, he like everyone had a nickname. His was something like Jaguar. For some reason, I remember Tim Robbins' nickname first was Merlin because that was just cool. I said, I wish I was Merlin. Yeah, but so. Oh, there's another dude, Barry Tubb. Is that who it is? Uh, okay, I just thought of uh, one other kid, like uh, the sidekick to Iceman was in a lot of movies. I don't know if his name's Barry Tubb. I think Barry Tubb might be the dude from uh, Billy Jean. But there's one other character who's an actor whose name I should probably know. Uh, but anyway... Jaguar, whatever John Stockwell's character's name is. I don't know who his partner was. The partner didn't get a lot of screen time that I remember. He goes out there. He's the top dog. Like, in the, they say, okay, 
Like you're up against, you know, just like in these movies, Rocky movies, Ivan Drago and, uh, you know, Mikhail Baryshnikov are on a team together. I know this is just imaginary. That's not really who they were against. Uh, because the Soviet team had these, uh, like a little bit like figure skating. They had, um, like outfits that, that were also part of the show. So they also obscured their faces, which is again a message of like, uh, you know, that the 80s was trying to push. I think right now I'm covering the movie in slower than real time. But so basically, John Stockwell and John Stockwell's partner up against two faceless Russians. Uh, and it's a big moment, like, uh, and John Stockwell's the best of the best uh, as far as the U.S. team's concerned. And he gets up there, you know, on the ribbons, on the swings, and starts doing his thing. And it's also done at the same time. Like, it's like this, everybody, you have to see the movie to understand. But uh, it's like a dance, uh, like a dance-off in some sense. But it's an Arabi, I'm not doing that on purpose. It's just like a brain trip about, um... So he gets up there and he decides, like, he's, you know, he's built it up too much. Uh, he has performance, you know, ANX, AX, you know, he performance concerns. And he's never had this trouble. He's been the top dog. And he says, I can't do it. Like, uh, I'm quit. like uh, this is it. I'm off the team right in the middle of the routine. I think it was a mess, like a little bit of like, uh, like the Russians kind of like they swung real close together or something. And he said, you know what, this just isn't for me, which you got to respect. Uh, he like, it was like a very, uh, he said, this is it. And, and everybody was in disbelief. The whole, all the coaches, all the other athletes and that, but it also, also serves to show this theme of the movie. Uh, which is one of the themes of the movie, which I think is like mind over matter in some sense, or mind over even ego, like uh, that there's this like loose focus. If you want to be top uh, uh, air dancer, yeah, that's a good way. Top gum, like you, you need to, um, it, it is a matter of uh, not just a physical ability, not just technical ability. But an ability to 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 push push over the edge, uh, or right up against the edge, and that he lost his edge. I think that was it. He lost his edge, and you know he. he so that's how the movie starts, and then what we get next is uh, uh, Tom Cruise and uh, uh, Anthony Edwards, who forward will be known as Maverick and Goose. We see that they're like in the the amateur circuit. They haven't been in the Olympic circuit. They've been in the amateur circuit. They're very flashy, and Tom Cruise is extremely confident. I mean, you've seen him smile and chew gum. Like imagine him in his twenties doing that. I mean, it's it's actually enjoyable either way. But uh, so he does that so so we just see them and they're like so flashy they're kind of the, like not goose uh anthony edwards character is a little bit more of the um the soul at least initially or the heart and soul but uh tom cruise um you know he just he, he even shows up shows up to coaches and the other athletes a little bit 
Yeah, like, and he's always got catchphrases that I forget, turn to burn or something. And then they get back to to to, to finish their their performance, and they they kind of upset the like uh, one of the not the coaches, but one of the um, referees or something or whatever judges. You know, by doing like something comparable to where they're supposed to do a double indie, and they did a quad. And then they find out when they get back, they say, "You guys who got called up to the, you know, you'd be normally be in trouble." But the Olympic team has an opening, and the Olympics are coming. And, you know, obviously Uncle Sam doesn't want us to be embarrassed and not be the best aerial dancing, you know, air dancers in the world. You know, our, our ability to, you know, consume, you know, consume things and you know, would be, could, could be at risk. So we got to be the best, uh, and they want you to, instead of the best, I guess they want you to. And then things probably get fuzzy for me eventually. So they go to San Diego, which is like top gum school. So I think initially we get, um, and there's probably some other new classmates. Maybe, maybe there's an app. But then we get like an overview, top gum. And I think this is narrated by Michael Ironside. You know, and they say the history of the school, like a little backstory. But, you know, Top Gun was designed, you know, in the 1950s when, uh, for, you know, we said, who's going to be, you know, w- w- the whole Olympic buildup of uh, the Cold War? And, you know, U.S. W- w- to air dancing dominance, that's the term he uses, uh, and they say, you know, so this is to teach all everything, even stuff, you know, we're combining techniques across the globe uh, in this one place. You know, but the question is, can you take, you know, can you do it? Can you graduate? Uh, so it's not only an Olympic training program, but it's like uh, you got to get through the training it to be top gum and then make the Olympic team. I think, even though they are the Olympics, and I don't know, some of it's a little confusing. Oh, that's what it is. Like, eventually you would want to go pro, I think, is what it is. So then it gets set up a very, uh, a couple themes get set up. One one theme is, uh, and this will probably be out of order, but we see Tom Cruise's relationship with Tom Skerritt, who's like... Uh, I don't know what his nickname is in there, but he's, he's like the, the big, the, the principal. But for Tom Cruise, he's this father figure, which Tom Cruise is like, a, we, we kind of learn like Tom Cruise's edge is related to his relationship with his father a little bit and his need to prove himself. And Tom Scary kind of tries to take on this role of like, a, a care about you, but you're kind of a D-I-C-K for the most part, is what he kind of says to, to, to Maverick. Uh, like, this is a, like, uh, your ego's too big. Uh, and I know you think you're the best, and maybe we could make you the best, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so there's that theme running through it. Then there's the theme of, um, well, there's Tom Cruise and Go- Maverick and Goose's relationship, which is one of fr- friend friendship and love, but also of like different stakes. Like uh, Tom Cruise's ego constantly impacts uh, Ma- uh, Goose, 
Uh, because Goose has different sticks. He has a family, and he really needs to make it eventually to the Pro League. Because uh, if he doesn't, then, um, like, what, what would he, like, uh, he wouldn't, you know what I mean? He he, he needs some money. I mean, he, that's, like, a good way to make a living is pro air dancer. I mean, come on. Look at Cirque du, like, the, nowadays we see it everywhere. I mean, all, all the air, constant air dancer interviews. So that's another theme. Then there's the fact of what Tom Skerritt said, which is other classmates. Tom Caruso definitely has, and he's able to carry it out in a um, likable way, uh, which is probably not, there's not many people capable of pulling that off, uh, where he's kind of a superior to his classmates uh, and a bit of a, you know, jerk or whatever. Um yeah, but he also is almost the best. Uh, so, I don't know. There, there's kind of a little tension within the class. And then there's also the actually top student, the top performer, who is played by Val Kilmer. His name is Iceman. And his partner is is like Gordo or something like that. And Iceman is known for being super cool and chill. And like precision oriented, you know, very uh, detached and emotionless, uh, but also plays within the rules. And he doesn't like uh, Maverick's, not just his attitude, but that he pushes things over the edge. Uh, like uh, Iceman says, you know, I can be the best within this creative constraints, and that's what we're here to do. Also, this is like an Olympic sport. Uh, so we don't want anybody to like spraining anything. It's just ridiculous. And he says, eventually you're going to sprain an elbow or something. And, you know, or what if Goose does? So there's this competition, which actually makes it more, you know, because you say, well, I don't think I like Iceman. He doesn't chew gum like Tom Cruise. He chews it in this more chopping, uh, tense way where Tom Cruise chews gum like a handsome chill dude and again i think just an example of like this uh form of movie storytelling uh, so then what happens oh so the- i'm talking about themes i guess uh what other themes then there's tom cruise versus the system i guess or maverick versus system so we see over a series of scenes uh in class and outside of class uh where Tom Cruise is like, like uh, I know better than even the instructors. And I understand things better than things. And the whole purpose of the school, I mean, in a military context, uh, is to kind of break your ego, right, and to, to remold you. And, uh, but, but uh, like, uh, so, so it does make it for another interesting small con- source of conflict. Yeah, then there's the love story. So Kelly McGillis, uh, so, and this is like one of the more famous scenes in the movie. Like one of the first nights in town, uh, they go off and they all go out, like a bunch of the classmates go out. And so we see them outside of their, cla- outside of their class in their dancing roles. And Tom Cruise fancies himself quite a charmer. And he, I, mean, he, I mean, who are we kidding? Uh, so... 
he sets forth to uh, charm this uh, person he, he sees there, and he sings her an Everly Brothers song. Maybe he sings it with Goose for a little while and then takes over. And we see, like, a romantic connection. And I don't know if it immediately translates. Uh, I don't think, I think it's just like a, a romantic connection and flirting. Where, you know, Tom Cruise says, look at me, chew gum. Like, come on now. And I believe the Kelly McGillis's character says, you know, I got work to do. Or I got to leave, you know, I'm go, going home to go to bed. Uh, so I think, like, there's a... Yeah, so I think then we learn next day that she's one of the instructors. So you say, oh, boy, uh, you know, again, it, like it adds to the builds on the theme yeah, that Maverick just can't play by the rules. He's a Maverick. I mean, come on. And I guess Goose is a goose. Uh, we also see, like, training sequences where they get up in the dancing, and they're dancing against the best. Like, they dance against Michael Ironside. They dance against uh, Tom Skerritt. Uh, who, they have nicknames. They can't remember. Je- no, Je- who's Jester? Did I already say Je- Maybe one of them is Jester. Merlin is, but somebody's, but so, yeah, I think uh, maybe Tom Skerritt is Jester. And we learn that those two, Michael, if you've never seen Michael Ironside air dance, holy mackerel, uh, look it up on YouTube or something. Because uh, you'll, you'll be you'll be changed forever, and so the, we learn that uh, Tom Cruise still has a way to go, and that he's willing to bend the rules. This kind of has played out already, but uh, so there's one time where they have to do a dance off against Michael Ironside and Tom Skerritt, and like uh, Tom Cruise and uh, G- G- Goose, Maverick and Goose, do their dance, but they do this move that's not sanctioned by the U.S. You know, the Olympic Committee. So they bend a rule or break a rule uh, to win, but technically they don't win. They say, well, we won because we outperformed the two of you. And they say, no, but you, that last swing you did where you put your hip out, like that's an Olympic, it's not allowed within the constraints of the Olympic system. And so then they go back and everyone is in the locker room and they say, oh boy, we all got beat by a jester and uh, in the sloth or whatever. And Iceman says, not us, man. We we beat them fair and square. And Tom Cruise says, we beat them too. And he goes, no, you didn't. You, you, uh, you you technically lost, uh, and there's a reason you can't kick your hip out at that moment. You know, according to he pulls out his Olympics uh, air dancing manual and says, "Look at here." Uh, so we have all this rising tension. Then eventually, tension. The first piece of tension to break, I think, is uh, Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. They end up end up in a romantic situation. Which I think somehow then they end up, uh, maybe he, you know, maybe like, uh, I don't know, somehow they end up in a romantic situation, which is probably the first time in life, uh, life I ever saw French kissing with an actor and an actress uh, against a silhouette. Uh, so they just, that's burned in my mind. Yeah, so they have, they do kiss. I mean, I'll be honest with you. 
Yeah, also, there's like a scene where, and I think this was just popular because all the dudes were shirtless and they were all in jacked up shape. But uh, actually, this is before he goes on a date with uh, Kelly McGillis, which I think the date was at the principal's house. So we also have these scenes again where Tom Skerritt kind of says, listen, man, like, uh, your dad was the best, uh, but you can't keep chasing memories or something like that. Your dad was the best air dancer I've ever seen. You might be better, but you got to put your mind, you got to get your mind right. You know, but Tom Cruise just still isn't having it. Uh, then, okay, there's the great volleyball scene, which is basically... Iceman and uh, Gordo or whatever decide, hey, we want to play you, um, Goose and Maverick, shirtless beach volleyball. And I don't, I don't think anything happened. I don't know who won, but it was just like a, a, a popular sequence. Uh, you know, it gave me something never to attain. I said, well, if I could have one of those four bodies, uh, everything would be great. Uh, so I don't, know if it was a, and I don't think I could play volleyball either. Yeah, then at some other point, there's like a point with the stakes for Goose, because Meg Ryan is Goose's wife. She comes for a visit. Uh, I don't know if they like they had kids and the kids came, or they just talk about their kids, or they're planning and having kids. Yeah, but at that moment, like, uh, she's also close with Maverick. Uh, it, it comes out, like, uh, I think Meg Ryan says something, and then later Goose says something, like, listen, man, like, you're going to get us kicked out of school if you keep messing around, which is like he's gotten so many demerits or something like that. And Goose is like, seriously, like every single, like it's not you versus, if it's you versus system, like I'm caught up with you in all these like outside activities and, you know, you being a hot shot, uh, it all culminates. And then it's a slow building again to uh, like, uh, um, like the, the um, I guess it is the Olymp- like a building to the graduation and the Olympics. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess they get a little hazy in there. But I think yeah, like there's a. Uh, so I don't know what happens first if they graduate, like uh, or there's a graduation finale, or it's before the graduation. There's like the like uh. One of the last big performances. Uh, I would think, I do think actually there is, yeah, I think what happens is once or twice, like as they're studying, they do have these, uh, at least once they have um, uh, like a, maybe a non-sanctioned air dance off with the USSR team. And uh, I think that's it. Like, uh, so they have like, maybe they have two of them. So they have one and Tom Cruise and Goose to showboat. And I think, again, that uh, maybe that's like, uh, maybe that was, uh, was that early? Was that in the movie at the beginning or was it later? I don't know. But at some point they have like one competition and uh, Tom Cruise and Goose are really good. And I think, uh, so, I don't know. There's, like, one or two scenes throughout the movie where they're, again, going up against the USSR team. And at some point, and I don't know if it was, I guess it was probably, like, a one with the USSR team because that would make sense as far as stakes go. 
But uh, Tom Cruise and Goose are pushing the limits, and and like uh, like they Tom Cruise just pushes things so much that Goose uh, like uh, overstretches something, and that's it. Like uh, like they say, you're over this overstretch. Uh, you can't possibly be perform or graduate. Like you'll never air dance again because you. Uh, you know, it's just a like a like freak freak stretch, uh, and it's it, it it wasn't Tom Cruise's fault exactly, but he feels bad for it. And Goose says, "This is it. I bet my whole life on being a professional air dancer." He, well, he can't even speak to Tom Cruise. He just leaves, uh, and Tom Cruise has to face uh, Meg Ryan, his wife, uh, who's just devastated. She says, "This is it. This was where our dreams were built on air dancing." And now they're gone. Thanks a lot. Uh, and Tom Cruise is like, well, I loved Goose, you know, and I love you. And, and she goes, well, this is the cost. Uh, maybe it's time for you to reflect on everything, especially the deeper message of, like, uh, you know, mind over matter or whatever, you know, dance over, my, you know, dance, over, dance beyond the ego. And there's also a movie, or a, I don't know if there's a, how many song, big songs there are. There's, um, who's it, Kenny Loggins, I think. Uh, the famous song for the movie is Highway to the Danger Zone. Riding, dancing through the danger zone. And I don't know if there's any other, you never, once you get a hold of that ribbon, you get a taste for the air dance. You get to chewing up some gum, and you put on those tight air dancing pants. Uh, and so that's kind of the lyrics of the song. It's about, like, the danger zone, which is what they call it when they're up there dancing on those, like, swinging on those ribbons. There may have been one or two other ones, but that one, you know, you still hear it on classic radio. So, okay, where are we? So Goose is gone. Goose is no longer a student. And every actually, all the air dancers, they know that it was a, a, like a, it wasn't really 100% Tom Cruise's fault, uh, that it was just like this ribbon slipped, uh, and that maybe it was because Tom Cruise pushes things too hard or maybe not. But they know the emotional impact of that uh, Goose leaving the team and Goose is, you know, it kind of being time that Tom Cruise was taking the, the, the feelings, at least for like Goose's career being gone. And so he feels, you know, even Iceman says, listen, man, yeah, sorry, uh, that's rough. Uh, and they think like that's like right before the Olympic trial. I think it's right before the Olympics because then they still have to have like who's going to qualify and, like, it was based on points for graduation, yeah. So, ice, like, the top gum, that team is, like, the top U.S. team. Then the second-place team would have been on the Olympic team. Maybe the top three teams get on the Olympic team. And then maybe there's an alternate. But then Tom Cruise goes back. He has to, like, work with another dancer. And he's lost his mental edge. And Tom Scarrett tries to, you know, be like, you just got to get your edge back, kid. You got to be able to focus on the dance. Uh, now, maybe, like, maybe this was the push, the deflation your ego needed. 
I don't know that he says it that on the nose, but, uh, I mean, basically it comes down to, you know, Tom Cruise, uh, can't get it out of his mind that, uh, and he's like, what, then he's also like, what if I slip? Or what if I never air dance again? You know, what is it? Like, he's overthinking everything. And a lot of times he says, talk to me, Goose. Now, there is something that left out that's important for the whole movie. And uh, it's the idea of the wingman in this movie, which is, uh, like, so you already had this, this these pairs, right? Tom Cruise and Goose, Iceman and Gordo or whatever his name was, I don't know. Yeah, but then there is also this open floor competition. That's why they do pick three teams, which is like six on six, like three teams versus three teams. Uh, so that's like kind of like when Olympic gymnastics, there's also the team competition, but they don't have this. This would be like if it is Olympics gymnastics, uh, they had a floor competition where everybody was on the floor at the same time. And the wingman, in this case, is like a team, kind of like spotters, basically. Like, so he's, so it's a secondary role, like, for the lead team. In this case, Iceman and Gordo. And, uh, uh, like, you're supposed to, like, you're, while they're doing a move, you're supposed to, like, run interference so that no one would, like, interrupt their line of sight and throw off their move. And so at some point in the movie, Tom Cruise and Maverick and Goose are supposed to be Iceman and Gordo's wing people. Uh, but at the same time, like, everybody's accumulating points for, for the team. And this, it's, they're not on the floor, you know, they're up in the air. But it's very similar, just easier metaphor to think about Olympic floor exercise in this case. So they're getting ready to do their biggest point number, Iceman and Gordo. And Tom Cruise, they say, we need our, we need our monitor or whatever, because uh, we're going to do our, you know, quad Lindy. And Tom Cruise says, okay, okay, we're watching, we're watching. And then Tom Cruise sees like an opening where they could do like something like a triple sow cow or whatever. And he says, listen, I'm not going to watch, like you guys can handle it on your own. I'm going to, we're going to do so then we could get more points for the team we're going to do the sow cow because there's just an opening right now. And Iceman says, that's not how it works. Like that's not how protocol and Olympic team work, work. Uh, there's no I, I and team Maverick, uh, but Maverick can't hear it. That's in the middle of the uh, show. Yeah. But you never forget that, uh, like that, that's important. And uh, at some point, I don't know if it's at the end of the movie, I guess it's at the very end of the movie. It pays off which I think we're, like, here to, like, is basically, like, uh, it ends up at the end of the, uh, the movie climaxes with, like, uh, I mean, unless you consider that a climax with the Goose stuff, is, like, uh, uh, Tom Cruise and Goose, they had so many points uh, that they either came in second or third. Iceman and Gordo came in first. I think they were top gum. Or maybe not. Maybe Maverick and Goose were so far ahead. It doesn't really matter because Goose was uh, off the team. And Maverick's just trying to. He's he's just uh, he's just hanging on. And they say uh, like so they say you're graduating and uh, 
they say they moved up the Olympics or something, or they moved up the data that when our competition is. And I don't know if Maverick had so much found a rhythm with his new partner. And so what happens is, uh, like, uh, they say, well, we've got to go. Like, uh, and they say, Maverick, are you even going to go to the Olympics? Uh, like, can you even focus? And I, I don't know what the debate is there. And that leads to the Olympic finals, uh, which uh, they kind of skip over and they just kind of uh, go into. And they say, like, all the points are tied. And this is the floor competition. And they kind of really do it in a, like, a very slow, deliberate way. So there's three teams for the U.S. I think, like, uh, you know, it's Iceman and Gordo and another team. I don't know which team it was. Uh, and then Tom Cruise and his new partner versus the Russians who are again in their, like, uh, you know, artistic garb. But again, it makes him kind of faceless. Uh, you know, the whole, like, uh, like we said. And what happens is, like, the, the group four starts and Maverick gets started and then he, he goes cold. Like, he says, I can't even compete. I don't think I can even climb up my ribbons. Uh, and they say, like, they need, you know, they need all the points, but they also need, you know, it's like uh, there's not, the floor spacing's all off, I guess, the air floor in this sense. And Iceman says, we need you. And he says, never mind. Yeah, but then ends up like uh, Iceman and uh, Gordor are doing really good. And the other two teammates, uh, to where it's still competitive. But then they get to the point where they have to do, you know, there's also just like an ice skating or figure skating. You have like required, you have to complete, complete, complete these different things. Especially if you say it has to be judged on them or whatever. So they need this floor spacing to be able to complete these last things. They need their wingman. And they, like, they end up like, like, cause the other teams are like using blocking, like almost like picks in basketball to rack up a point. Uh, and they say, again, this is it. Like if we're, if we lose this, uh, symbolically, we'll have lost it all for the U S of a. And so, Tom Cruise is like, I can't get it, you know, I can't get it. I could talk to me, Goose. Uh, and then if something rings true to him, he says, wait a second, it's about mind over matter. It's just about focusing, a loose focus and a joy of air dance and chewing gum. You know, he starts to chew gum and his, perfect, his teeth are like chiclets almost anyway. He smiles and he gets up there with his partner and he starts, they start to like, uh, they start to da- air dance and then they, it changes the floor spacing and they actually find more floor spacing available because two of the three Soviet teams were uh, using these blocking techniques and I think it was hard for them, however they wrapped the ribbons around themselves, uh, to get out of these blocking techniques. So then, uh, you know, Maverick and his partner and... uh uh, Iceman and Gordo really start to shine and it ends up that, uh, I think, I don't know who like ends up having to do the big, you know, quadruple, you know, combo with the toast, you know, those ones where it's like two twists in a row. Yeah, but they do and they win, they win the gold. Uh, and they're so good that they say, 
this is the first time in Olympic history that your performance outshined the other performance so much uh, that we can't even give them a silver or a bronze. And then that dude, like, uh, who sings that song uh, that they play on the 4th of July, like, picnics, uh, forgot his name, but, it, like, uh, proud to be an air dancer, he sings. I think that maybe they imagine that part, but uh, I'm proud to dance in the air for the U.S. of A., you know, that, that type of song. And then it ends with, like, Tom Cruise and um, Val Kilmer or Iceman saying, you could be my wingman. No, you could be my wingman every time. And I think that's it. I don't know if there was any other, um, like, other than them putting their, you know, getting their gold medals uh, and chewing gum, if uh, that's it, you know, that, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any other, there's, like, an epilogue or anything like that after but that's basically a movie, and it was, a, I believe it was a summer blockbuster. I have no idea what year it came out. Uh, I would guess a later 80s, uh, like maybe 88, but I don't have any idea. And it'll be interesting when it comes out again, um, like, what'll, what, like uh, it'll just be interesting to see. Um, so I don't know, like, I mean, if that's this summer, next summer. Also, oh, this is another reason I've been thinking about Top Gun is because I've been seeing the trailers for Miss Marvel or Ms. Marvel. And, uh, it looks like the start of that kind of has this Top Gun feel. And that's just a movie I think is going to be cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing that with my daughter. But yeah, that's a little bit about the movie Top Gun. And you say, well, I thought it was like, yeah, a lot of people did think it was about chewing gum or making gum. But then, you know, you saw it and you said, well, no, it's about air dancing. And that was like also the big air dancing peaked in the 80s uh, where people actually thought it was cool. And like like started getting into it in droves and that created the foundation uh, for, like, Cirque du Soleil. I mean, I don't think anybody's ever told that story. That, like, without Top Gum, there wouldn't be Cirque du Soleil. And the reason, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, no, Scooch, you don't know what you're talking about, and totally unrelated. And it's a really, really, like, uh, uh, you know, well, so just picture Tom Cruise or... Uh, Anthony Edwards or Tom Scared. You know, I prefer to think of Michael Ironside up there, you know, swinging among the stars, chewing gum. Also probably was like an Olympic regulation. You couldn't air dance and chew gum at the same time. So I don't know how, like I think Air Dancer, maybe there was an already movie called Air Dancer. That's why they didn't do it. Uh, they had to come up with another thing. But yeah, just another movie that was part of my life that I kind of barely remember, Top Gum.